to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. We are in Ephesians chapter 4 today. Ephesians chapter 4, we've already talked, we've already started into the book of Ephesians chapter, or into the chapter 4 of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writing, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, exhort you, I beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Um, the last time I talked, uh, well, actually it was Christmas Eve I spoke in here, but the last normal Sunday that I spoke in here, it was, I think, about a month ago. I don't know how long ago it was, but um, I, I spoke on this verse, and it, I, I spent and camped here, so you can listen to that if you want to catch up with that. But you remember we were talking about I therefore, and you guys are... You guys are students of the word. You guys know this. You know that when we come to a therefore in scripture, what do we do? We go back and find out what it's there for, right? It's kind of a cool little thing. You know, therefore, I go back to find out what that word therefore is there for. And so what we do see is we go back into chapters one through three and what we see is doctrine. We see doctrine from Paul. We see, we see, uh, Paul talking about who we are in Christ and by Christ and through Christ. And and so he's laying out the point of who we are doctrinally in Christ and, and God's plan that we are through Christ. And then he comes in in chapter 4 through chapter 6 and he'll then show us practi- practically how to live. So I'm going to deal with doctrine and now I'm going to bring in practicality in here and I'm going to bring in how it is that we live our life. And so Paul says now... Doctrinally, we understand who we are, okay? Doctrinally, we understand that we used to be sons of disobedience. We used to be controlled by the prince of the power of the air. We used to be children of wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, and by grace that we've been saved, you know, he gave himself, he he bought us, he purchased us. And so there's the doctrinal part. He says, this is who you are, this is who you used to be, this is who you are, and it's because of what Christ has done. It's because of God's plan, all right? So this is who you are. That's who you used to be, this is who you are today. Now, he goes, I'm begging you. I exhort you, church. I exhort you, brothers and sisters, have a walk that's worthy of what you now understand in verse chapters 1 through 3. That makes sense, right? Have a walk worthy of that calling. Have a walk worthy of the calling with the cognizance that you know that you used to be apart from Christ. That you used to be at a point in your life when you woke up in the morning, if you were to have died, you would have gone to hell and there would have been no hope for you. There was no hope whatsoever. But God in His mercy, He reached down and made a way for you and you and I as we are Christians today, if you're Christians today, which I think most if not all of us in here are, here's the thing, we recognized 
God's love. We recognize God's sacrifice through His Son. We recognized God's gift and we accepted that gift of eternal life. And so there was a day when we were going to hell, but then there was a day when we recognized God's perfect gift in Jesus Christ and we recognized it and we accepted it and we embraced it and it has become a part of who we are. It has become all of who we are. And Paul's saying, Remember that. Remember who you used to be. Remember who you are today. Now have a walk worthy of that calling. Something should change in your life, Paul says. You used to be, but you are no longer that. You used to be that, but today you are this. Now walk in this. Do this. Have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. There should be a change. There should be a different picture. There should be a different goal. There should be a different purpose. When I wake up in the morning, it's not about, it shouldn't be just about me, right? It shouldn't be just about you. The mirror is a, is that, is that, that great picture that we can look at every day. It can be a bad thing, and for most of us it is, right? At least we think it is. I know I look in the mirror and go, oh, wow, what happened to you, buddy? You know? But here's the one thing that a mirror does allow us to do. It It allows us to look at ourselves. It allows us to look. And and if we allow ourselves, it gives us an opportunity to question, what is this day going to be? What is this day going to be about? Is this day going to be about me? Is this day going to be about someone else? Is this day going to be about... And I'll tell you, I've been very busy very busy studying. It seems like I don't do anything other than study, it seems. And and it's just boom, 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 boom. And it's like, well, is this ever going to end? And and I, I'm thinking, man, I, I'm so tired of studying. My brain is about to crack. But you know what? I still, I still have to be a Christian. I still have to follow Jesus. I still have to be his. It's not that I have to be, it's that I get to be. That's a big difference right there. When we think that we have to be something for God, then it becomes a law, doesn't it? It's no longer, it becomes duty, it's no longer a devotion. It's, it's now I have to do it in order to appease God or he's gonna shoot me with a, you know, a lightning bolt. By the way, how many of you have ever been hit by a lightning bolt by God? I, I none of us. That's a silly thought, but we sometimes think that. Man, well, God, we're going to really be punished because... Here's the thing. If we get in our head that we have to do this in order for God to do this in our life, and we gotta, we got to be super good. we got to be sinless. I remember we had a, a couple in this church many, many years ago. Many years ago. And... Uh, they were a little confused in their relationship with the Lord. Um, they were, they were, uh, they had gone to Calvary Chapel a long time, but they were also pretty steeped in Catholicism too, which always kind of boggled my mind. But how they could be for so long in a Calvary and yet still be completely and totally steeped in Catholicism, and and I we we got into a conversation one time, and. They were coming down upon grace. And I, I just asked the question, let me ask you something. 
if you were to die today after sinning today, would you go to heaven? I mean, what if you were, what if you and your wife got in a major argument on the way to church? You came to church anyways, but you both are steamed at each other still. And, and one of you is really wrong. And usually we always think the other one's wrong, right? And so, you know, the other one's wrong. But even while you're sitting here worshiping, you're going, okay. Even if she is wrong, which she normally isn't. You thought I was going to say the other, didn't you? Um, even if she is wrong, it's wrong to be in this place with the Lord and have this enmity between my wife and I. And and so you do kind of get that, but but here's the thing. What if, and I I posed it to both the husband and wife, I said, what if you guys got into a major conflict before you came to church and you cussed at each other and you were angry and you came into church? Or maybe right before you came in, you, you got in a car accident and you died. Would you go to heaven? And they both said emphatically, absolutely not. I said, really? How come? Well, because we have sin. And they didn't understand the forgiveness of sin isn't that you ask for it every single moment that you sin. That's not a bad thing to ask for forgiveness when we sin. But my salvation isn't based upon every single sin that I commit that I have to ask the Lord for forgiveness once again. Here's the thing. When Christ forgives me of my sin, he forgives my sin past, present, and even future. My salvation, that's what Paul was getting at in chapter 1. Your salvation is not wrapped up in you, it's wrapped up in him. This is who you are in Christ. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And based upon how this couple thought, they could unseal themselves every single time they sinned, and so they were no longer sealed. And their their basis of relationship with God was based upon how good they did, not by based upon how good God did in his redemption plan, redemptive plan through his son, Jesus Christ. And so if that's been a confusing point, and, and I'm going to say probably even in a group here, there's probably one or two of you in here that are going, well, I'm kind of glad that that was clarified because, you know, I, I wasn't really totally sure on that. Listen, if you sin today, and you die before you ask for forgiveness, if you've accepted Christ into your life, if you have placed your trust in Christ, it doesn't mean you're never going to sin again. And it doesn't mean that you're going to get kicked out of heaven if you haven't asked for forgiveness of that sin before you die. The point is, is that Christ died for all of your sins. He died for all of my sin. And so if I die today, I know that I'm going to be standing in the presence of Jesus. I could be in a, you know, wing dinger with my wife and we get T-boned and I go to heaven right in the middle of saying something. Probably something idiotic to her. And it finishes in, in, you know, started in her ear and ends in Pete, St. Pete's ear, you know, at the pearly gates. It, I don't know where that ever came from, but you're not going to see Pete at the pearly gates. But I, I, you know, here's the thing. I, I'm going to be in heaven. And I'm, I, am I, I'm going to be in heaven. You're going to be in heaven. It's not based upon your deeds. It's based upon what Jesus did. That's the, that's the awesome thing about grace. 
But be that as it may, and we understand that we are free in Christ. We are not, it's not based upon our goodness. Now that doesn't give us a license to sin. Paul talked about that, doesn't he? Romans chapter 6, he goes, well, shall I continue to sin that grace may abound? Absolutely not. No, don't ever continue. Actually, that's it. Don't ever do that. That's not, that doesn't give you a license to sin. Don't, don't just sin because you can. I've used the illustration before. I grew up on an airport and in California with my dad. My dad had an aircraft maintenance and repair shop from 1955 until about seven, eight years ago. And the thing is, is that we worked on small airplanes and small airplanes are made out of aluminum, different thicknesses, but nothing really thick on the skin. Now, aluminum, if you know anything about aluminum, it's easy to dent aluminum. Now, you all know what a ball-peen hammer is. It's a hammer that, you know, looks like a normal hammer on one side, but on the back side of the hammer, instead of having a claw, it just has another kind of a round, a ball back there out of the same metal, you know, and that's what they use to kind of form and fashion, you know, metals to make it make, you know, something bend to where they can make, you know, a curve in, in, in you know, metal. Well, if I took a ball-peen hammer and took that ball part of it and go, and an airplane is made up of hundreds of individual pieces of aluminum that are all riveted together. If I were to go up there with that little ball-peen hammer and, and go and hit this one, hit that piece of skin and then hit this piece of skin and go on every single one of those skins on that airplane and put a ding in every one of those, would my dad be upset with me? Yeah. Would I still be my dad's son? Absolutely. He'd be going, what are you thinking? <laughs> now, 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 here's, here's the thing. If I did it, I don't know why I would do it. Dad, I saw a spider. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, something, you know, caused me to do it. I don't know why I did it, but I did it and it's wrong. And I, I did it. Now my dad says, I go to my dad and I say, Dad, I, I'm sorry. I, I hurt you in this and that. That I'm sorry. And, and it would have hurt him. Thing is, is my dad's going to go, okay, I forgive you. Now if I did that the next day on a different airplane, would my dad forgive me? In his humanness, probably not. But God's not human. And the thing is, is that my relationship with my father is such that I, my dad is not going to disown me because I, I blew it and I, I did something wrong. I intentionally went and hit with that ball-peen hammer, right? I hit every one of those skins. Did my dad forgive me? Yes, he forgave me. Was it dependent upon me? No, it wasn't dependent upon me. It was dependent upon his love for me, his son. But the one thing it never stopped me from being, and that is his son. Now, let me just go full circle with this. Why in the world would I ever think about going and taking a ball-peen hammer and do that on that airplane? If if I'm intentionally going and hitting all these skins on the airplane because I can, because I know that my dad's going to forgive me, and because I like the sound that it makes. Is, Is that love? 
That's not love. I'm not going to go and do that on that, on that airplane. Not because I know my dad's not going to love me or kick me out of being his son, you know, remove me from being his son. The reason I'm not going to go pound on those skins is because, you know what? I am bananas over my dad. I love my dad very, very much. Why would I want to hurt him? Now, to complete this circle, if I blow it by carrying a bunch of tools and I happen to be going by and a tool's starting to slip off and I'm trying to catch and all of a sudden these tools fall over and they hit the wing. <gasps> Dad, I blew it. Dad, I did this. <gasps> What'd you do? I tripped. These tools fell off. They hit the wing. It dented this wing all up. Are you okay? That would be my dad's first question. Are you okay? I got a crack in his prized El Camino back in high school. And I came home and I was fearful. I said, Dad, I had to wake him up. Dad, I, I, I got in an accident. And his, his first question was, are you okay? I'm, are you kidding me? You're asking me if I'm okay? You're, what are you, you're going to like ask me if I'm okay so that you can kill me? You know, it's, it's like, are you kidding me? You're asking me if I'm okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I, I didn't get hurt at all. What happened? It blew me, my, blew my mind that my dad didn't flip his lid. And it was, it's that picture that, that there's glimpses that God has given me in things that my dad has done for me that God has shown me, Don, this is me. I just showed you me. That you blew it doesn't surprise me that you blew it. What surprises me is when you try to stay away from me because you think I can't see it. That you don't confess it to me because you think that if you don't confess it to me and you don't acknowledge it, that it didn't really happen in the first place. Let's just be done with it. You see what I'm saying? Here's the thing. If I blew it and, and I tripped and these tools hit the wing, my, my dad would say, hey, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay, dad. All right. Well, hey, you know what? It's a machine. I can fix it. It's an accident. It was a sin. You were trying to do the right thing. Remember what sin is? Sin is missing the mark. I was trying to carry my tools. I know that I don't usually carry my tools to my toolbox, Dad, because my tools are usually strung out all over the hangar. I was a messy guy that way when it came to tools. And I was trying to take my tools over to my, my box and I tripped and they all came off and they hit the wing. It was a mistake. It was a, it was a sin. I forgive you, son. Let's get it fixed. Now, that's a, a different scenario. It's a different scenario for you. Hopefully you're seeing this picture that my relationship with my father isn't based upon what I do. My relationship with my father is based upon blood. My relationship with God is based upon blood. My relationship, and it's not my blood. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. He did it. God's not going to reject me. He's not going to kick me out of his family because I blow it. Here's the thing. He's going to say, I forgive you. Now let's move on. The reason I don't sin, the reason you don't sin, and we though, though we do still sin, we sometimes miss the mark in sin, but sometimes we just flat out trespass. 
you going to amen in here on that? I, I, you should never amen trespass, okay? Don't ever do that again. I'm just joking. <laughs> I just set you up for that. Here's the thing. If you trespass, you, okay, this was stupid. You do it and you're going, okay, I'm doing the wrong thing. I get a picture of my head. In my head, I was training my dog. Kona was his name. He was a black lab. I destroyed the dog by training him the way that police dogs were supposed to be trained back in that day. And it was through a choker chain. And I was having a really, really, really hard day with, with Kona this one day. I was down at Sylvan Park in Redlands, California, and I'm doing this in the park, and he's not doing what I need to do. And, I mean, the it was torture. And I'm sorry to and shame to say the way that I was trying to train this dog. I had an instructor who was teaching the Redlands canine police dogs how to to you know be trained. I don't believe that this is the way that they anybody would train dogs any anymore. But basically, if Kona would have a bad, if he wouldn't do, and it was always on my right side, if he wasn't doing the right thing and he made a mistake, basically. This cop, his name was Terry, won't go into a last name, but he would say, you take the dog, 60, 70 pound dog, and take him with the choke chain, pick him up and throw him out in front of you and swing his legs out behind, bring him back in the air, swing him out, bring him back in the air, set him back down and pop, pop him one real hard. And he's just choking. He's now, mind you, he doesn't do it again. <laughs> he learns quick. But he was having a bad day one time. And I was out there and I, 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 I did that so many times to him and he just wasn't getting it. And, I'll, and, and you have to let him sit there and think about it for like 30 seconds to a minute after you do such a punitive you know, action to the dog so he can think about what he's done. I'm sitting there and I had some brand new high top Jordans on that I just bought. Red and white. Red insoles, white, you know, red inside and white on the outside. They were brand new. They were beautiful. I'm showing them off at Sylvan Park. And all of a sudden I feel something going on on my leg. And I look down at my dog and I'm dead serious. My dog, he, his legs were bent down except the one leg. He had it lifted up and he was looking at me as he was peeing on my leg. He was being on my leg. And I sat there, and it was filling my shoe. I'm like, what? And that dog knew I'm going to get hit. And he's crunched down. And that was my last moment that I ever trained that dog that way. I reached down, and I gave him a hug. I started crying. I'm thinking, what? are you kidding me? You know, I, I'm torturing this dog. That he would do... This dog adores me. And here I am doing that. I always have that picture in my head of what Kona's face looked like when it was looking to me when he was peeing on my leg. Listen, that's how I feel when I trespass to the Lord. Not because he's punished me, but because in my willful disobedience, I'm sitting there going, all right, it's worth it to me to do this even though I might get punished for it. I get this picture in my head that I'm looking God in the eyes when I'm doing something that I know I ought not be doing. That's trespass. Does that disqualify me from being saved? It doesn't. And that blows my mind 
Because if I did that to my dad, I don't know that humanly possible, I don't know in his hum- humanity if he could forgive me for doing things like that over and over and over again. But I sure th- am thankful that God is not bound to our humanity. He's not bound to our way of doing things. God loves me, God loves you in spite of your sin, in spite of what you do. I've kind of, I've kind of harped on this all day. I don't have a lot of time left. Here's the thing. Paul says, you're saved. You used to not be saved. But now you are. That's glorious. I'm now beseeching you. I'm, I'm exhorting you. You used to be that. You are this. Now have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. This is what I'm asking you to do. Doesn't mean that I'm going to always hit the home run every single day. But if I wake up in the morning and I look myself in the eyes and I, I, I look in the mirror and I say, hey, who's this day about? When you wake up in the morning, who do you see looking back at you? Someone that is depressed, disenchanted with life, somebody that is, is, is upset with everything that's happening in your life. If, if that's you, can I just tell you, hey, Corey Ten Boom, I can't say anything better than what Corey Ten Boom said. You guys know where I'm, some of you guys know exactly where I'm going with this. Corey, Corey Ten Boom. Her words were, were, look, without and be distressed look within or look at yourself in the mirror and see yourself and look at you and let life be about you look within she says and be depressed or look to my Jesus and be at rest and and so here this is a quick little litmus test for you and for I every day when we wake up Am I distressed about life? If I'm distressed about life, it, it's maybe a picture that my eyes are on the world and how bad things are and, and that, that they're, I just don't see how we're going to get out of this. The circumstances are too big and too harsh and too hard. I don't know how things are going to go. I'm distressed. Or, or maybe it's the other way. You're looking within and you go, oh man, if only I could be like that person, or if I could only have that stuff, or if I could only have this amount of money, or if I could only have that kind of a job, or if I could only have that wife instead of this wife, or that husband instead of this husband, or no husband instead of a husband, you know, whatever. You know, and, and you look at it and you, and you, you, you look at your own personal life and you're going, oh, my life is just, it's not as good as everyone else's. First thing I would say is get off of Facebook because 98% of the people that you see on Facebook whose lives are awesome are not awesome. Everybody goes on there, oh, the life, life is great, wonderful. You know, look, I did this. Look, I did that. Look, I did this. And yet, you know in their real life, nah, you are not telling the truth. I know that you're going through some tough times. That's not true. I've seen that far too much. You might have a good day. Go ahead and share it. 
But here's the thing. What happens is that when we look on Facebook, or we look on social media, we go, oh, look at all these people. Everybody else is happy, but I'm the only one that's not happy. No, that's not true. And the point is, is if you're depressed, man, I just wish I could be someone else. I wish that this would happen, or I wish that that would. And whatever it is that you think you need to have this fulfillment in your life, or your life isn't going to be fulfilled... I had a person that was very, very close to me one time many, many, many years ago, 28, 30 years ago, say to me, listen, if I had X amount of dollars a year coming in, if I had two cars, they don't have to be new, but they need to be fairly new, paid for in my garage, no you know, issues with them, no major repair work on, 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 you know, in front of them, and I got my health and the health of my family, then I can serve the Lord. So you need this amount of money, this car, and health in order for you to serve the Lord. Isn't that, self, isn't that kind of self-seeking? Hey, you ask me, what does it take for me to truly, just freely serve the Lord? If God gives me this, then I'll give Him everything else. Can I tell you, that's not how God works. God doesn't work that way. You're in where you are for a few different reasons. Number one, maybe we've put ourselves in that place, right? Number two, maybe God just has you in a place of difficulty at this time. The one thing we have to believe and understand is that God is not going, oops, I forgot about Don today. God didn't forget about me last Friday. I prayed. I knew you guys were praying. I knew some of you guys were praying. Maybe not everybody, but I knew some of you guys were praying. And those of you who weren't praying, hey, come on. Give a guy a break. No, seriously. I know that I was prayed up. I knew I was ready to go in there. I felt good. I was bummed. But I never pointed the finger at God and go, God, why? Listen. God might have us go through certain things in life to just show his glory. Just to show us how awesome he is. Sometimes we don't see God for who he is unless we go through a pretty tough time. I think some of the people that have seen the Lord in his glory are those who have gone through some of the most tumultuous times in life. And you think, well, really, is that what it takes? And and I would say to those Christians that have had to go through such things, they would never ask to go through it again, nor they would they have ever asked to go through it in the first place. But I will say this, I believe that they wouldn't ever ask to not to have had to go through, to, to not see the Lord in the midst of that. I wouldn't change it, because I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I saw him like, I maybe I don't even see him today. I saw him. I heard him. I, I, I felt this presence because it was the only thing that kept me going. And, and, and sometimes we, we don't see that in the Lord. The point of all of this is, if you're depressed, maybe you're looking too much at yourself. Maybe God has you where you are because he wants to use you where you are. It might be that you're in the position that you're in because, well, you've just done some dumb things and you're there. And But know this, 
That's the cool thing about God is that even when we've done something dumb, He's going to be there right with us and He's going to, He's going to show us a path out. But quit focusing so much on you. How many times have you heard me say it? It is not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. That's what Paul's talking about. I mean, that real, I mean, we don't have to go through all the rest of the four or three chapters. That's basically what it's going to say. And we will go through them, but that's basically what Paul's going to talk about. If you keep your eyes focused on Christ, all the other things, they're going to waste away. Fix your eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes on Christ. I therefore, I'm exhorting you. You know who you are. You know who you used to be. You know who you are today. Now, just have a walk worthy of the calling with what you were called. Do that. Do that. Do it God's way. And watch but that God is not going to give you a day of fulfillment, a day of spiritual enlightenment before Him as He is leading and guiding you. When you look in the mirror and go, you know what, today I'm gonna, I'm not gonna let it be about you. It's not gonna be about you. You can even talk to yourself. Have your spouse in the other room. You can talk to yourself. Don, it's not about you today. It's about Jesus. It's about others. It's about doing things for Christ. It's about, it's about living for Him. It's not about me. It's about Him. I think that things can radically change in every one of our lives. If we just do that, that's what Paul's saying. Have a walk with the calling with which you were called. Father, thank you so much for today. And Lord, I know being away from my family, this congregation, I miss them. Oh man, have I missed them. And I know that today is a day of basics, speaking to them again in basics. But Lord, I pray that maybe it touched one person. I don't know, maybe it touched every one of us. I hope so. That we consider our relationship with you and we we recognize that we don't sin just because we can. We don't sin. The reason we don't sin is because we love you. You've forgiven us of all that. I don't want to just go out and trespass just because we can. We want to live for you. And God, we don't want to live in a distressed state. We don't want to live in a depressed state. We want to live for you. We want to be at peace. We want to know that I can close my eyes with a clear conscience this night because today was not about me. It was about living for you, Lord. And so, Lord, today I pray that we all can confidently pray this prayer. I, Lord, I've considered my life. I've considered this verse that Paul has started chapter 4 with. He has exhorted me. He has exhorted the church back then. He's exhorted us today to have a walk worthy of the calling with which I am called. And so, Lord, I dedicate the rest of this day to you, that I would walk in you, that I would walk according to the calling with which I was called. We were, we all walk in that. And we just trust you with the outcome. We trust you with this, the dusk of this day, the nighttime. We trust you with our life. And so Lord, thank you God for loving us the way that you have to give us a future and to give us a hope. 
And I pray, Lord, that we can all walk out of here knowing that we are living for a far bigger purpose to do your will. And God, forgive us when you get our eyes back on us or on the world around us. Lord, may we fix our eyes solely upon you. And then, Lord, allow our hearts to melt at your will and follow you regardless of the difficulty and trust you with our peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.